the lawyer life experiment. Have you ever wondered if work-life balance is really possible for a lawyer? We have too. So let's put it to the test. Join us as we experiment with proven tips and tricks to address everyday lawyer problems. I am Anya Smirnova. And I am Frida Levitsky. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Lawyer Life Experiment. Today we want to talk about lawyers and climate change. But as always, we want to start by discussing the results of our experiment from the last episode. Our last episode was about mental health. Frida and I were sharing quite personal stories about mental health in the hope that you will find something that you can relate to, that it brings more awareness to how you feel about yourself. And the experiment we had is, what are you not acknowledging? What are the signs that you might be experiencing difficulties with mental health and whether you need support? Or actually, what might be signs of you being in good mental health? Frida, how has it been for you? Well, ironically, after the conversation we had before the podcast, this seemed to be quite an apt episode to be sharing this month. One of my biggest things and things that damages my mental health most is taking on too much. And I think we talked about that in the previous episode as well. But over the last few weeks, it has been quite an intense period of work. And I remembered what that feels like and how it affects me both physically and mentally and starting to acknowledge the signs again, starting to recognise the heart rate beating at a slightly higher, well, a very very much higher rate of knots, headaches. For me, I get um, like quite sensitive ears when I'm, I'm overly stressed. So that that was quite eye-opening and a good reminder of what happens to me when I'm in a stressed situation and my mental health is not at its optimal. And for me, it's about slowing down again, taking back control over my life, taking back control over my time and reducing down the things I say yes to. So, yeah, no, it's quite a an apt episode, as I said. Hey, what did we talk about? And are we practicing what we preach? I'm glad it was so timely for you, Frida. It was very timely for me too. There is something in the air, as they say. Our discussion really prompted me to check in with myself again and to keep checking in with myself. And very similar to you, I feel like I'm taking on too much. And I discovered yet again, like how difficult it is to say no to things. And it's easier to say no to new things and how difficult it is to say no to existing commitments that you love, actually. You enjoy them, yeah. but when there is just no time or no headspace to do them and you un- you realize that they are stresses at this point in time, that, that is the most challenging. Very good reflection, hey? Yeah. It is, it, it's interesting that you say it's the things that you love, but doing too much of the things that you love and not in a good way become stressors rather than things that actually help you flourish. Yeah, exactly. So go on, today's topic, this was one of your favourite favorite topics to, to talk about. So I will over <laughs> to you to introduce it. Yeah, I would say like favourite. It has definitely been a topic long on my mind. A big part because it is so much on everyone's mind at the moment. 
we see we hear so much of it in the news pretty much every news now has some kind of relation to um the the weather changes in the world we are also approaching november november is the time for climate change conferences of the united nations the next one is um uh, mid november in egypt this year and lawyers obviously have a big part in actually everything you take every sector of life and there will be some kind of law elements in there <laughs> it's kind of topic we never touched on and directly and so that's why we wanted to bring it in because it is on everyone's mind many companies already developed climate action and net zero strategies and nearly a third of the uk uk's largest businesses have now pledged to eliminate their contribution to carbon emissions by 2050 and increasingly these companies who are law firm clients they require those they do business with to adopt uh, similar measure, measures in the legal profession what's been going on last year in 2021 the law society published their climate change resolution to support solicitors and the companies or firms they work for to develop a climate conscious approach to the way they practice and provide legal services our recommendations from the law society will to reflect on how you run your own business and are you a progressive force in taking in tackling climate change what kind of work you take on whether you support specializations legal specializations that support the earth whether you practice advocacy to support the earth and whether you are aware how climate change will affect your area of practice and you see like in social media commitments that companies and law firms and solicitors share that they reflect on their own values on the stance they take on climate change and sustainability we in our podcast want to take a stance from the individual's point of view and how this affects you as an individual and as a professional is it's really interesting to hear the protocols that are put in place and how effective they can be and the reason i say that is that i used to work for a wasn't a law firm at that stage it was a commodities trading company and this was often an issue that came up because they traded palm oil and we you know the reports all over the place about how it involves deforestation to to create create um land that damaged the orangutans it caused forest forest fires that that were able to spread because there were no um parameters and it is like I'm I'm not you know fully okay with the the um e- ecological side of of things but it was a huge concern for a lot of people that worked within the company about how they got around it and I know there was a lot of effort that was placed into the sustainability into the CSR programs how programs were put back into place and projects were put into place to try and reduce the damage that was that that was caused but the ethical side of things was really problematic for quite a lot of people what was your experience so i worked in the in the energy project financing department i would say that when i started working there was very little consciousness of the climate change so that it was there was very little discussion of that 
And it's not to say that people were not caring about it, but it's also just the, I think the impact, we're all very aware these days of the impact that the humanity as a whole had on on our planet. Well, definitely, the more you know, the more, con- the more, the more you notice. So yeah, there was not much conscience. I probably, st- we, yeah, you started to move to a lot of more conscience space. I, for example, started to um, practice decommissioning. I specialized in decommissioning for the, for the last kind of couple of years of when I was practicing as a lawyer. And that's when all the things of actually how you clean it up and what stays in place, coupled with the discussions that were starting to take place around climate change, they kind of all start to sit together and you become more um, conscious of that. And the, this all this conversation, it really affects everyone deeply because you want to do the right thing. Most people want to do the right thing. We want to give back and we want to save the planet and we want to think about the future generations. And even about us leaving in 2050, we will be oldies, but we will still be on this planet. How do we express our values within our lives and within our profession in a way that is meaningful and yet valuable without, like available now, without the need for some huge change to happen or for you drastically changing your own life? Mm. And I think that is this kind of dissonance between what you want, between your values and what you do is is a cause of a lot of stress, whether you're conscious of it or you're not conscious. It's interesting that you started off by saying that I wasn't conscious or conscientious of it at the at the beginning of your career. I think we get kind of swallowed up in the legal profession into being a good lawyer and moving our careers forward. So I remember when I went into law, Yes, the money was very appealing. It was nice to get a nice big salary as a, you know, 22, I think I was at the time, year old. But I went into law because of human rights, I wanted to fight for, you know, equality and justice. And as a core value, that hasn't changed. But I went into mergers and acquisitions, you know, I went into buying and selling companies, which I got. I was going to say bugger all to do, and I probably you probably edit that out, but, but it's got um, it's got nothing to do with like ethics. No, and morals. that will stay, Frida. That will stay. <laughs> um, but it's got it's it's nothing to do with human rights and justice. And as I've got older, so I think, and I, I've been studying this in developmental psychology, is that as we get older, we hit um, periods in our lives where we've done the whole, you know career development, achievement, ambition, money, drive, motivation, and we switch into a more, well, how does this affect the greater good? How does this affect our lives going forward? How does this affect our children? What, what What's our legacy going to be going forward? How do we want to be remembered when we leave this earth? So there is an actual like biological switch that happens as we get older. And for me, it's less about climate change. And, you know, I should, I feel like I should apologize for that because, you know, climate change is a really important thing, but so is equality in education. So is rescuing underprivileged children. 
So is uh, looking after abandoned animals. You know, there's lots of different causes out there that require effort and energy. And it's for me, it's as I hit kind of 30, 30 really, was how do I how do I make a difference? How do I just give back a little bit and actually have an impact somehow? Yes, and it really resonates with my experience too. And what you were saying, like, how can I do my bit? Because there is a desire to change something, but sometimes those causes, and you're so right, like, it's not just climate change, it's about everything that feels important and for us in our lives. And there is nothing to apologize for if you feel if different causes are closer to your heart for for one reason or another. But some of those causes might just feel too big to change. And the enormity of it feels impossible for you like to make an impactful change. And lots of people don't bother, don't bother starting because they don't know what actually, what will I bring? You know, I've just written, um, we had to do an an awareness raising plan as one of my degree topics. And diversity topic we chose was racial inequality in the education system in South Africa. Now, talking about race in South Africa is just a polluted topic to to talk about anyway. It's it's fueled with political, socioeconomic, racial, all sorts of issues to unpack. So it's an incredibly difficult essay to write. But at the same time, education is key to a system. So, you know, I'm passionate about helping this country that I have the privilege of living in to move forwards from apartheid and and, and get out of all of the, the damage that that did. And the current system is continuing to cause damage because it's just not got rid of the legacy of, of what previously existed. And I believe education is key to that. And yet... That is a magnanimous project to take on for one individual. And, you know, there's other like there's uh, early childhood development programs out there. There's charities that invest here. There's lots of different people that want to help. But how do we do that rather than just thinking, geez, it's too big. What a waste of time. And the one thing that I did want to share with you was that I watched this amazing TED talk by a lady called Deborah Freeze. And it was called How I Become a Localist. And I think maybe this is is worth just really sharing on all topics, because it's really what I practice in, in another area. The logic is the big system is broken. You can't do anything in the macro system layer. Like You can't go up to the government and say, you've got to do this. You can't. You just can't. But you can do something locally. You can have an impact in your community, in your family, in the way that we talk about things, in the way that we educate, the way that we throw our rubbish away if you're talking about climate change, you know, all of that, you know, the separation of our boxes into different things, that little bit, you are helping. And if the community around you then works together and it spreads out and out, you and your little project, if that gets replicated in multiple areas, have the ability to grow and expand into a bigger project and have a bigger impact. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. Definitely. We will share the TED Talk. I would love to to hear it as well. And it really resonates with my experience of lobbying. 
I was campaigning for uh, better postnatal care for women. I am a coach, but I feel health has a huge impact on how we, uh, everyone, but I was focusing on women, how it affects how women make decisions about their life, about their career progression, work-life balance, with focusing on, on postnatal health. And I was invited uh, to the governmental roundtable to talk about uh, the effect of women's health and how uh, the NHS can change postnatal recovery. And I was invited to that campaign because I was ignorant of how Facebook works and I was just quite loud in different Facebook groups without asking the admin. But also because out of passion, for a year, I had run weekly events in my living room and they were free about raising awareness amongst women in my neighborhood about women's health. I probably had 200 women in total come to those events. I was a celebrity for a while in, the, in my neighborhood <laughs> on the topic of postnatal health, which was a bit Niche. Niche. Yeah, there was a niche. And like people don't want really to come up to you in Tesco's, you know, and say, oh, thank you so much. You explained so much. People will just nod to me in a secretive way yeah, and a wink. <laughs> so coming back to what you were saying, there is, a, there is a point to this, that when I got to the government roundtable, I thought, wow, this is incredible. The Westminster government roundtable. And yet it was just one of many government roundtables that happened over a couple of years around the time. Not to mention however many discussions that had happened 20 years previously. But it just happened that our roundtable was probably at the top of the curve um, yeah. At the time when there was a critical mass, I felt very sharply being part of that critical mass. And I realized how whatever small thing that I did in my community, or it was big for me, that it was just an important part of the critical mass and how actually it is important to do something about it. It also, it, it helps you express yourself and it, you kind of find that peace with your own self and values that you are doing the thing towards a goal that is meaningful to you. And so it doesn't have to be big. But that, I think, and I think that's important. It doesn't have to be big. I mean, look at the suffragette movement. It was protests and, mm -hmm. and marching in the streets and parks, the lady who moved herself on the bus in, in the USA, I've completely forgotten her first name, uh, Rosa Parks. In, in the USA and just moving her or refusing to move her seat from her seat on the bus because she had, you know, every right to be seated where she was seated. But again, it's a small movement that can have a huge impact. I We were talking, I don't know what I'm going to do with education in South Africa yet. I haven't worked out my, my role in that. It is definitely something that I will look at for the future. But what I'm very passionate about is, is animal rescue. And you know, I support Tears, which is uh, the Animal Rescue um, and the Animal Rescue Association in Cape Town. And you know, every year we go and do a sleepathon to raise funds for rescuing, rehabilitating, and rehoming dogs and cats and other animals. And you know, it might not sound huge, but every little helps, keeps them operating, keeps more animals getting saved. You know, it's. That's my bit of good. Mm. We keep giving Tesco <laughs> marketing high fives.
And I think the other side of that coin is when you don't do it, it also creates an influence. It creates this kind of dissonance with what is dear to you. And if you don't do anything about it, it actually does cause stress. It does fuel anxiety of you not living the life that you want to live, I would even say. And doing something is also quite contagious. It's when you do something and you share it or people see it, it inspires other people to do something as well, to follow you, to support you, to start other causes. And it does. And, And it's like it's psychologically proven to make you feel good about yourself doing something that you're passionate about for a cause that you're that you care about Mm. it's um yeah so I think that leads nicely onto our hypothesis for today which is lead by example no act is ever too small yes exactly and to give you an experiment as always it will be very simple what one thing you can do that you care about, where you can have an impact. What would that be for you? Have you got any thoughts? Mm. I will definitely watch the TED Talk for inspiration, something localist. Um, I became a governor for my children's school, so probably that's that's the topic that interests me a lot right now. Mm. That's it. You're preparing for the children's, your, your children, but children as a whole, their future education but after their education as well so mm. how, how can we progress the next generation yeah mine is mine is definitely going to be we, we are doing the sleepathon on the 26th of november so that mine is going to be all about raising raising funds for the next month yeah no i know i know what my little bit of impact is coming up for the end of the year and it actually leads nicely to pro- to the mental health discussion we had because i feel both of us want to really commit our time like not to overcommit so Hmm. I think the stretch for me would be to stay within what I am doing already but probably changing the way I do things on what I do to bring more impact small change for a big impact see and that's a really good reminder it's not we're not saying go out and do more we're saying have a look at what you're already doing how can you how can you make a bigger impact That's it for this week's episode of the Lawyer Life Experiment podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. It was presented to you by Anya Smirnova and Frida Levitsky. Find our information and contacts in the podcast note. We love to hear your views on this podcast. Please reach out to us or use the link in the show notes to give us a review. You can also subscribe and like and tell your friends about it. And have fun experimenting. (laughs) 